watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes, comes the, the binge. binge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we have three movies. Avengers Infinity War, Grace Jones Blood, Light, and Bommy, and Ghost Stories. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consuming moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life's too short for that mess. Jason, what's up with you? Thank you for asking. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, recently, uh, I did a weekend trip to Las Vegas Mm. uh, to see a couple of concerts, because that is what I go to Vegas for. I feel like that's what any good homosexual goes to Vegas for Mm -hmm. at this point. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's becoming more and more of this sort of just this compendium of divas. And uh, they just all pass through at one point or another. And you just kind of have to go. You just go. It's like Mecca. It's like diva Mecca. That's what <laughs> Vegas has become. And uh, so, and it was, it's to the point where even if it's somebody that you're not especially a fan of, you're just like, well, that could be fun. And that's what the case was with this one. Because the person that I went to go see was Jennifer Lopez. J-Lo. J-Lo. And we were all, you know, we, we sort of had the same group that has gone together a number of times to Vegas to see these concerts. And we were there together in December to see Mariah Carey's Christmas show. And then we just started talking right away about like, well, what should we see next? We saw ads for JLo and we were like, sure, why not? Because <laughs> we're thinking like, we it's not that we don't like JLo. It's mm. just that like, she's, she's always been at least for me this person who is like she's consistently been there but you know you'd never really think of her as like oh she's my favorite singer mm, or right because i think that maybe because we knew her first as an actress well as a fly girl really but you know of course as an actress and so it's sort of like is music even her main thing mm. she's more an actor da, 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 da. made manhattan made manhattan end of story enough said but uh but then we were listening to so we're like gearing up for the weekend and we're like putting on like her like essentials playlists and the bitch has a lot of big songs. Mm-hmm. So many huge songs. Mm-hmm. So I was already starting to get the feeling that like, have I been underselling her like my whole, like these last like 20 or so years I've known who she is. Like, and the answer once we got to that show was holy shit. I should be ashamed of myself for not like taking a moment every day to celebrate the greatness that is Jennifer Lopez. Wow. Do you have room for another diva? There's always room for another diva. Okay. Yeah, I have endless it's getting e- tight in there. Endless elasticity when it comes to n- diva um, integration. <laughs> um, huh. So yeah, no, she. We had um, we had tickets up in the pit on the uh, on the sides of the little catwalk in on the front of the stage. The catwalk. Mm, that, oh right. The catwalk did look like an IUD, but we powered through that. <laughs> and, How do you even know what that is? Uh, I just looked at it. The funny thing was, you well, mean IED. <laughs> Um, I looked at it on the seating chart and I looked at it into my mind. Some voice said like, no, that was like an IUD. And so I sort of like tested the waters and replied to her thread with it on which there's at least one woman <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, our friend Heidi and, uh, and she confirmed that it did indeed look like an IUD. Mm, okay. So I felt vindicated. Mm-hmm. What is I, an IUD? Uh, an interuterine device. Ooh, nice. Yes. <laughs> I actually, funny story. I'm like, it's a special weird light that illuminates a screen. <laughs> IUD lights. I was talking about IUDs with somebody and I was, uh, they were like getting it changed or rem- I don't know something. And I, maybe I made this up. Isn't there like a contraceptive device that like they put in your arm, like you put in like a 
in a woman's arm and it releases chemicals. It's like a little thing. Are you thinking of are you thinking of Nicorette patches? <laughs> yeah, but for contraceptive chemicals. Sperm killers. Yeah. Spermicidal Nicorette patches. Yeah, okay, that's it. Okay. Um I had thought that's what an IUD was, and then the person was like, Do you know what the letters in it stand for? And I was so you're like, saying that- Oh, I see. I see what I've done. I was wrong. So you're saying that I knew more about this? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we'll just let that sit there then. But uh Don't touch but it. it is fun to imagine like, you know, like a sperm killing patch on your arm. Seems like it'd be easy. Five thousand. I would think so, rather than having this like weird thing twisted up inside you. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that works. Patches always easier than, in, <laughs> than invasive devices. Uh so from that back to J Lo. Uh <laughs> So we were along the the catwalk, and and this woman, Jennifer Lopez, she put on this two hour plus show, in which she was plainly singing live, like Heidi was there and was being Heidi in the sense that she was being like, as a musician, <laughs> I can tell you, she's like this band is playing live and she is singing live. And, uh, and there was like a few, tra- there were a few numbers where she was like, okay, that's a track. Uh, mm. but, uh, for the music at least, but she's like, she, was there a conga, there a was, bongo, there was a percussion session. Uh, I, I, there was, there was a robust band. There was, I'm there, thinking of the waiting for tonight part where it breaks down oh, into yeah. like all the, ooh, 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 ooh. yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, oh, that's wow. my, that's my, that's my waiting for tonight. Yeah. Um, this is how I kill at karaoke. Um, that's true. But, um, but she did do that song, and uh, and so she was so she was singing live, and she was dancing her fucking ass off, and you know that ass. There's a lot to be danced mm-hmm. off, and yet gone it went. Wow, it was just gone with the wind. Fabulous, Yours as well? and mine with it. Uh, it was just a sea of asses flying out of the theater at Planet Hollywood, and uh, and she is just. I will never ever ever speak ill of her again. Uh, she is. Wait, you spoke ill of her? I mean, maybe I did. I mean, it's not like she's had the best taste in dudes. We can say that. I was just, uh, I was just listening to how you were talking about uh, Julia Roberts' taste in dudes. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you're if you're into guys who I think are ugly, then I'm just like, oh, what's the fucking? Is it Mark Anthony? Yeah, Mark Anthony's not an attractive man. Neither is a Rod. I don't think who she's with currently. Oh right. Yeah. No. Um, and then the Ben Affleck years. Oh right. Let's not Jiggly. forget. Yes. There's that. Arod, I feel like I can't figure out why he's not handsome. Is it that he's just like? I too think it's his thick? face. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna say it's probably his face. I'm sure his body is great. I'll but take that. It's the face. Uh, maybe the ears. I don't know. Mm. Something about the general head area. Maybe that... when he was younger. Um, I don't really know what that looks like. Yeah, I feel like I've as long as I've known who he was, I have not found him attractive. Mm-hmm. Go on. So, with that all said, uh, her she is a live performer is better than she is as a chooser of male partners. Mm, mm-hmm. And uh, and also, we went back to our hotel room afterward, and we're just like listening to more songs and and looking her up. And she is forty eight. Wow, forty eight. Like, That's... and I, and I don't throw that out there as to say forty eight is a super advanced age. I'm merely saying that she has the energy and intensity of a of a person half her age uh when she's up on that stage mm-hmm. and she just doesn't stop uh one moment she did stop to breathe however involved the weird the weirdest interlude of the night in which she kind of gave this rambling talk about how being a mother changed her yada yada and um and she wanted there to be a part of this show that could be for her kids 
and um, and all of which led in a very kind of meandering way. It was kind of a weak moment in the night uh, to her um, performing "I Hope You Dance" by Leanne Rhymes. Oh, yes. And she did this while she, in this very sort of like Vegas Cirque du Soleil kind of way, in which she was standing there and then gradually um, sort of levitated into the air, <laughs> revealing this very enormous long skirt that just continued to un- unfold with her. Wow. As she rose to the sky, singing this country pop song to us in her own inimitable J-Lo voice, something along the lines of, I hope you need... I hope you dance. But she was singing live, so it's okay. And I saw Leanne Rhymes sing that song live herself at the chapel like two months ago. So let's just say you that... You saw Leanne Rhymes at the chapel? I did. <laughs> and she, she played at the chapel? She did. And she was amazing. That's so weird. She was amazing. The chapel is a very small venue here in San yes, Francisco. that's where I got married. Right, tiny. And, uh, <laughs> and Leanne Rhymes played there. And it was glorious. But anyway. Wow. Um, I feel like she'd be on the rib burn-off circuit. Uh, the what? The rib cook-off circuit? <laughs> no? Well, I think, you know, she's like, she's a prestige country act. And mm-hmm. she is, you know, an A-list country act in a way. But probably in other cities, she would be booking a bigger venue. But in San Francisco, mm-hmm, she books mm-hmm. the chapel. Gotcha. Um, anyway, all of which is to say the J-Lo's residency runs through September. <laughs> Highly recommend. Um, it seems like it's starting to, word's starting to get out about it more. Like a week after we were there, I saw Billy Eichner post on Instagram that he had gone to it as well. So, so the gays are spreading the word. Mm, the J Lo mm. show is 150 percent worth seeing. Wow, Rebecca, what's up with you? Um, not too much. Um, I was thinking about the only other like big pop star I've ever seen, which was Britney Spears. <laughs> uh, was that last year, or two years ago? Um, it's a study in contrast. Let me tell you, seeing the two of yeah? them in Vegas. Yeah. Uh, oh right, you saw her in Vegas. Mm-hmm. This was I was uh, in London for a concert series, and I wasn't. Uh, planning on going but um, once again our friend Heidi yes uh, convinced me to go uh, and it was so weird <laughs> it was such a weird this show. was iTunes festival this was iTunes festival um, at the roundhouse in London and I was not prepared for that at all <laughs> um, the people that were there that, though they were oh, yeah. waiting for that yeah um, oh I guess in related news I just bought tickets to Beyonce's on the run tour oh yes uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, while you were in Vegas I was up at midnight watching Beyonce on YouTube mm-hmm. uh, perform at Coachella which was and once again when you talk about people doing things that are uh, amazing in terms yeah. of um, really pushing themselves and having a vision and um, just being entertainers mm. right like everything is just yeah um, I haven't seen a show I don't think I've ever seen a show as big as this Beyonce show that I'll be going to in whenever that is. Um, oh, September, I think. You've never seen Beyonce before at all? No. Oh. I've never seen any like big star, again, except for um, Britney Spears. And that was at a, at like a pri- not private, but it was like a yeah. limited, limited, very small space. venue. Right. Brit bought 5,000. Mm-hmm. What? Brit bought 5,000. What's that? That's like Britney's a robot in concert. Oh, 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 oh. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, this will be my big, first big show. Um, I'm a little nervous. Um, I hope these seats are, uh, amazing and uh, I feel like you have to do it, right? Oh yeah, you have to. Uh, yeah, you have to see Beyonce in concert. It's, it's not an option. And I mean, she's obviously, she's, she's doing everything she does at a level that just shames everyone else. For instance, as we record this, it's the day after Janelle Monae's Dirty Computer album came out, mm-hmm. um, in which she accompanied with, um, what she called an emotion picture. She tried doing like a lemonade mm, oh. um, for Dirty Computer, and it aired uh, on BET Thursday at midnight. 
And I was like, oh, why are they burying it? And then I watched and I was like, oh. Oh, oh. that's a bummer. Are you going to see Janelle Monet when she comes? I am, yeah. Tickets yeah. already have them. Nice. Yes. It's good. Yes. But uh, but it is worth seeing um, this dirty computer thing just because it is more quality Janelle and Tessa time. So I know that's relevant to your interests, mm-hmm. as it should be to all of us. As a, as a film buff. Just yeah, purely <laughs> as a as a cineast. Um, shall we? To let's, the movies? Let's do it. To the movies. Uh, the first movie we're going to take a look at this week is Avengers Infinity War. Iron Man, Thor, the Hulk, and the rest of the Avengers unite to battle their most powerful enemy yet, the evil Thanos. On a mission to collect all six Infinity Stones, Thanos plans to use the artifacts to inflict his twisted will on reality. The fate of the planet and existence itself has never been more uncertain, as everything the Avengers had fought for has led up to this moment. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if we could become something more. So when they needed us, we could fight the battles that they never could. So I know Thor. That last Thor Ragnarok was hilarious. Um, yes. Tell me a little bit about um, Avengers. I don't. I'm sorry. I got nothing on this. Uh, <laughs> is Black Panther in it? You're like, if only there was a reference. If only this was was less obscure with its characters and right. with, uh, with all the things happening in it and its cultural impact, relevance. To do the deep dive You're research like, into these. Pick a movie I've heard of, Jason. Christ, <laughs> how do you expect me to co-host this show? Uh, why is it? Okay, so I guess that's the real question is, why is it such a big deal? Mm-hmm. It's such a big deal because it is um, the first time that all of these different characters, each from their own very successful Marvel movies, are all together in one movie. There's already been a lot of um, crossover in movies like the first two Avengers movies and um, in Captain America, Civil War. Um, But this is the first time the main sort of like the, the big headline here is that, well, one of the headlines is that. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy is now also incorporated and then also yeah Black Panther oh okay yes <laughs> good finally yeah Black Panther is in this movie it's the Black Panther Thor buddy cop movie I've been waiting for it is it is it is every character is that um, too many characters uh some have said so but I I was I would say in general that I was um I feel like so it's directed by Anthony and Joe Russo who have done some mm. Captain America movies and they also were directors of Arrested Development. Waiting for Collingwood, Collingwood. Uh, <laughs> They're from Cleveland. Oh, it's those oh, those guys. Yeah. yeah. Um doing Cleveland proud. I would say that like by and large the, the movie is doing something that is so um in some ways, it's the most ambitious, and this turned into like a, a a meme where it was like, you know, oh, the, if, oh, you say Infinity War is the most ambitious crossover of all time, and then all these internet jokesters coming mm. up with more, you know, ambitious crossovers. But in, but but quite literally, it's the most ambitious crossover event of all time mm-hmm. for just the sheer number of um of different um storylines and characters that they're integrating, and also every single thing that they're integrating here is something that people really care about. Mm. So it's not like, which is where it's like kind of universal healthcare and um, equal pay. I, obviously, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm being a dick. Go ahead. 
I'm kidding. Uh, no, each of these different, you know, the different movies that are represented by all these different characters mm-hmm. are all movies that have enormous fucking followings. And so to bring that, um, you know, all of those expectations and all of that emotional association that people have with all these different uh, mythologies and storylines and characters into one movie. And then it's basically sort of like the world's most elaborate balancing act. Mm. Like, you know, like, you know, it's, it's balancing, you know, it's keeping 10, 15, 20 different plates all spinning in the air at the same time and needing to constantly bounce back and forth and, you know, and, and establish how they're coming together closer and closer and closer and closer and closer. And closer. Um, in this story as they try to defeat this character Thanos. Uh, so it doesn't start off with just like a, hey, it's a Avengers meeting. Everyone shows up and they're like, right. what are you, oh my God, Thor, what have you been up to? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, then they go do a thing. You, you, it's right, all because, about how they end up converging. Because not all the characters can even be called Avengers. Uh, so sorry. Uh, That's so. on me. <laughs> yeah. Rude. <laughs> Super rude. Um, check your known facts before you <laughs> come for this. Um, so... Yeah, so there's no like, okay, all of us together at once in some sort of giant UN type style meeting. Mm-hmm. Like, no, there's it's not that. Okay. Um, so um so the thing about Thanos is that not only does he want to get these six infinity stones, um, just to have them become the most powerful dude in the world, uh, he also um his pet peeve is overpopulation, which, you know, I get it. But his <laughs> but his solution for that is uh. to wipe out half of all um humanity. Wipe out, wipe out, wipe out half of all humankind, wipe out half of the half of life on every planet, and um, and so that is what he intends to do. And if he has all six stones, then he will be able to do that, which is like it was just like a snap, half half of all life just vanishes. And uh, Thanos is played in a motion capture performance by Josh Brolin. Oh, and I. I was really impressed with with the characterization of Thanos because he's. As, as played by Brolin, Brolin really brings his kind of like worn, broken down mm. weariness mm-hmm. to the character. Mm-hmm. And it's a really interesting choice because normally, you know, we see these characters done in a very kind of one note, over the top, power mad villain way. And with, right. the, and with Thanos, with Brolin's performance of him, there's this kind of like, there's this weird, there's this resignation. Like he takes no joy in, in genociding. Um, half of the population on these plants that he that he does this to it's not something that he does because he wants people to die um and so there's there's a really sort of sort of a much more ambiguous morality mm. to it than you're used to seeing for these kinds of villains and i will say just like a power hungry yeah humanity hating yeah yeah he's not just like your typical like yeah he's not driven by um you know by yeah by a desire to just slaughter and to you know he wants control he wants power but he wants power for the same reason that people will say that they want to be like the president because they're like well i want i have a vision for the way things should be and i should have the most powerful position because if i have that then i can see my vision through Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what thanos is doing here um he's like my vision is that for life to be better for all half have to go Hmm. Um, because there's limited resources so, um, so I saw Couldn't one. Couldn't he with the Infinity Stones just create infinite resources? That's a good question. Thanks. Go on. <laughs> uh, so I think this. So the surprise of how of how sort of um how much how unexpectedly resonant um and and complex Thanos is is one of just many shocks about this movie. Uh, I 
will say that I walked into this movie thinking it was going to be 180 degrees opposite from what it actually is. Ooh. And um, and this is this is definitely something where you know I saw it at a press screening a few days before it opened, and um, and it was something that I saw other people who had seen press screenings. We were all sort of like reaching out to each other on social media so that we could like connect and be like, okay, we can't talk about this publicly. Mm-hmm. What happens in this movie? So we need to connect offline because like, did you see the same thing I saw? Did that happen? Like, this is a movie that. I was sitting there kind of smoking in the beginning, like, okay, like, why are we even having all this fanfare around? Like, will they win or won't they? Like, we've all seen these movies a million times. We know how, you know, here, here's the beats that's going to hit on its way to vanquishing the villain. They don't win. And um, I'm not saying that. Okay. Um, because Disney will literally pull the plug on our resources. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking Wait, of resources. Out, right? That doesn't matter. They're like, they're super like, yeah, they're, they're being pretty military about militant about the, how they're enforcing these. Oh, really? Yeah, but there's, so, but, you know, you can read between the lines, but I would just say things don't go the way I thought they would. And it has the most shocking finale sequence. Like the final 10 or 15 minutes of this movie are so shocking, so completely pummeling, um, and and so eerily quiet that my audience, at least, walked out of the theater in stone silence. Hold up. So, wait a minute. Yeah. I really want to see this movie now. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, it's interesting. Like, it's it's like I, I, I it, it's also kind of the whole thing is a setup for there's going to be a this is part one. Uh-huh. It's not billed as part one, um, but it ends on a sort of like a, a to be continued cliffhanger. And there are certain things that happen in the final 15, 10 minutes where like, you know, that it's not going to stay that way. Um, but uh, but there is but we also there's not even a name for the next Avengers movie yet. Um, and so, and, uh, so it's, it's, yeah, it's just, I was, I was shocked and everyone who's seeing it is shocked. And I asked Scott, I brought Scott with me to see it. And he, of course, is our resident Marvel head. And, uh, and he, uh, was his nickname in high school. And, um, and he, uh, I was like, do fans expect what happens to happen? And he was like, well, you know, he's like, Kind of, but you know, so because there's been there's been a lot of talk. This is not a spoiler. There's been a ton of talk in you know in in every website around like guessing like who's gonna die, because everyone knows that, like there has to be some kind of death because otherwise there's just no stakes and like you don't get all these characters together um, and not kill someone. And in some ways, it seems almost like a it's like a it's like a spring cleaning to like mm. to kill off any ancillary characters so that you can further streamline the narratives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so, and there are a few characters, uh, who, who unequivocally, uh, die, um, as we work our way toward the finale. Um, and, uh, and so it has like, yeah, it, it's just very grave. The whole thing is a lot heavier, certainly than Thor Ragnarok or, um, or the Spider-Man Homecoming movie. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and there's still humor, you know, sort of interspersed throughout it, but, uh, there's just so much to accomplish that these filmmakers and the writers have to do in the course of this movie. And the movie is already, it's, it's two hours and 40 minutes. Two hours and 40 minutes? Yeah, it is. I mean, they have a lot, they have a lot to, they have a lot to do. And they have all like the world's biggest actors showing up and like they need to do justice by this being of resources, buzzword of the day, just the resources they have on this movie. Like they had, I can't think of a movie that had higher expectations going into it um, in a way, because this is something that's such, that's such fan service. Mm-hmm. 
And all of, of all the ways that it could have gone wrong, um, I, I think that, it, yeah, it equipped itself very nicely. And it's, it's, it's genuinely shocking and in a way kind of game changing, even though, you know, I'm sure, that, I mean, by the end of the next one, who knows how much of this will have had the impact that it seems like it has at the end of this movie. But uh, but it's, yeah, it's a shock. So I noticed this isn't the pick of the week. Um, I didn't pick, I didn't do a pick of the week. Um, cause I, I felt bad. Like I'm leaning toward this, but I would feel bad being like, you know, having these two tiny movies and being like, go see Avengers. Sure. Um, sure. because it's already on track to have the second biggest opening weekend. They're just waiting for that binge time. push to really know, make it happen. To, to really finally, you know, invest in some marketing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean like this is, this is, yeah, I, it was, yeah, it was a shock. And, uh, you know, I was not bored despite how long it is. Right, yeah. It and, seems like a... you know, they, they have, they, they managed to give, despite having so many characters, they managed to give almost, you know, pretty much everyone some sort of impactful moment and, um, and, you know, managed to keep track of their personalities and their motivations. And, uh, so, you know, which, yeah, you could say like, oh, is that a low bar? Maybe. Um, but, mm, but, but, you know, yeah. but it's, but it's seems a, like for the scale, it seems, yeah, for the scale, I think it's, I think it's a remarkable achievement. You've seen plenty of movies where it's like three characters right. and they've like totally <laughs> dropped the ball on a storyline or, or close it up in an insignificant way. Yeah, yeah. Um, hypothetical question. Yeah. Say you just seen Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Would you be able to, uh, find this interesting? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I Asking think so. Friend. Yeah. I think so. I will say that this movie definitely... Um, it definitely validates the prior decision of Wakanda to keep itself walled off from the world. Oh, man. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, I, I would say that speaking for you yourself, having seen those two <laughs> movies, um, I think you could still like jump in and um, there will definitely be things where you're like, well, who the hell is that guy? But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think overall, uh, I think you could watch it and enjoy it. Uh, I feel like if we say much more, we're going to spoil uh, spoil something good. I've already good. said too much. I've already said too much. They're already coming for, for you, Jason. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, so you're giving it A? You know, I'll go ahead and say binge it. Yeah. Binge it out. Avengers Infinity War is rated PG-13 for intense sequences of sci-fi violence and action throughout, language, and some crude references. And that brings us to movie number two, which is Grace Jones' Bloodlight and Bombing. This electrifying journey through the public and private worlds of pop culture mega icon Grace Jones contrasts musical sequences with intimate personal footage, all the while brimming with Jones's bold aesthetic. A larger-than-life entertainer, an androgynous glam pop diva, an unpredictable media presence, Grace Jones is all of these things and more. Sophie Fine's documentary goes beyond the traditional music biography, offering a portrait as stylish and unconventional as its subject. The performer takes the risk. It's a lonely place. It's a fascinating lonely place. Oh, I've been around the block too many times. Around the globe is more than like it. This seems right up your alley. Speaking of divas. Speaking of divas, I did. I have seen Grace Jones, not in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, I saw her in Oakland on. The first date of, um, it, I want to say it was a historic tour. She's not someone who tours a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, she played the Fox Theater in Oakland at the beginning of this U.S. tour. And it was, I've never been like a giant fan of her music, mm-hmm. but it just felt like my duty as a homosexual to attend. Yes. Uh-huh. And I got there and everyone else got the memo as well. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, it just felt like it was the right thing to do. And it, I, I did not regret it at all. She is... 
She is someone to see. Yeah. She, yeah. If you get the chance, go. Um, this uh, this movie covers her now, right? So that's, I yeah. think, an important thing uh, to note because there's mm-hmm. so much about Grace Jones in the 70s and 80s that could yep. be of interest and that, that would set a different tone in terms of like Absolutely. a talking head, archival documentary type thing. It is definitely not that. Um, it uh, So the filmmaker is Sophie Fines, uh, sister of Rafe and Joseph. Mm-hmm. And she followed Grace for around 10 years uh, on and off, uh, starting as Grace was preparing to uh, start recording her last studio album, which was called Hurricane, came out in 2008. And um, and it is, uh, yeah, it is, it's a very kind of shapeless documentary. There's no, as you mentioned, no talking heads. There's no archival footage. Um, there are not even any chirons of any sort mm, to be like. Guess who everyone is? It's this year now. Is this uh, Grace Jones? Yeah, you generally, <laughs> you really don't have any idea what's happening. Um, so it, there, the, yeah, she she does nothing to contextualize much of what's happening in terms of like titles or years or you're just kind of thrown into the whole mass of it. It is. It is similar to Madonna's Truth or Dare documentary in the sense that it it alternates between these very, um, very polished, very produced um, concert performances Mm. uh, and extremely grainy, you know, sort of candid footage. And uh, and it follows it, it. It sort of contextualizes Grace. One thing that, that the movie does that I feel like other, that a more traditional Grace biopic or documentary wouldn't do is really spent a lot of time focusing on her with her family in Jamaica. Mm. And uh, and I I I, don't, I did not realize that she was Jamaican. And uh, and and we definitely follow her as she goes back a number of times and spends a lot of time fully just out of drag mm-hmm. uh, with her family. Unfortunately, um, the film the, the, it's not filmed in any sort of high quality way, and so it's hard to really it doesn't look good, mm. and it seems like they didn't like mic anyone, and so you can't really even hear what's being said. Okay, um, so it's not um, great in that sense, but it does sort of serve the purpose of giving you this fuller picture of Grace Jones and who she is. Um, this is as a documentary, it's. Uh, it's not the most satisfying thing to watch. Mm. Like you're definitely tempted to say like this is a for fans for like for diehard fans only of Grace Jones just because it is it goes on way too long and it's so meandering and it and 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 kind of nonlinear uh and the only reason to watch it at all is quite literally for Grace Jones, not that you have any other reason to watch such a thing. But it's definitely not the kind of thing that you would like study for its like form as a documentary or that kind of thing. Um, But she has so many quotables in this fucking movie. (laughs) She is a gift machine. Oh, I mean, like it's it's less a gift machine than a quote machine. Okay. Um, And you know, she has all these scenes where I mean, she is indomitable, and uh, and she and so you just can't help but be inspired watching her still be so fucking bonkers and so just defiantly herself and um and she you know there's this the big scene people keep talking about is uh there's a scene where she goes on a french tv show um to perform um her disco version of la vie en rose 
Mm-hmm. And uh, but then um, they, she have to she they don't give her any say over like the staging or the performance, and so she finds herself sort of sitting awkwardly on the stool while a bunch of like dancers in lingerie kind of like vamp around her <laughs> and i um, mean she starts to like basically yell at the host of the show she's like i feel like the madam of a brothel <laughs> uh, and uh, she's like that was not a good experience and uh, so it's very sort of unvarnished in its depiction of like what do you do if you're grace jones at this point in your career mm-hmm. um and you are basically it all comes from you like your your drive as an artist you have to make it happen. Like no one's asking for you really. Mm. You don't have a label mm-hmm. that's like, that's pushing you to do anything. Like, but you are still, you know, she is an artist in the truest sense of the term. Mm-hmm. She has a vision. She wants to create. She wants to perform. Through line. And so, and so, and so you follow her as she, you know, she has to make this hurricane album happen. There's a hilarious scene where she calls up the producers, Sly and Robbie on the phone and basically like, aggressively emotionally blackmails them into agreeing to produce the album (laughs) um and uh you know so it's basic so it's really it's interesting in that sense because she is you know grace jones has always been a cult figure at best Mm. you know she's never been an a-list star she is a bit of a household name just because she's so unique but uh but you know she's not somebody who like sells a lot of records and um and so to see like what do you do when you're she's in her 60s and uh and so like what do you do at this point in your career which is not exactly relatable because not many people are grace jones right sure i dare say only grace jones is grace jones mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but no it's definitely an interesting glimpse into what um sort of like a cult artist in their you know sort of like probably later career um has to do to keep themselves um in public keep themselves in front of the public eye how do they sustain themselves how do they sustain their mystique how do they sustain mm. their mythology uh, so, you know, so that's all interesting. Um, but unfortunately the documentary in general is just really unfocused and shapeless and, uh, yeah, it, it overstates its welcome by a long shot. And it feels like it, it it's missing a, a piece for people who aren't fans of, of Grace Jones. There's no learning curve here. There's no Absolutely. setup or, um, there is, I would, I would, I would suggest that if you're not a fan of Grace Jones, that you just don't watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's nothing here for you. Um, you know, just you can watch, you can see the performances elsewhere. Yeah, seems like there's a place for both movies, right? Like a a good yeah. full biopic um, or a full uh, documentary about yeah. her life, and then oh, it'd be great. and then this is a complimentary a companion piece. To yeah, it. exactly. No, it'd be yeah. This is almost like an extra. Mm-hmm. This is almost like a really. This is like here's all the extra footage mm-hmm. that uh, <laughs> that didn't fit into the official movie cut. because you know I want a movie just about the fact that when she was a first a model in the seventies, she shared a model apartment with Jessica Lange. That place. That's the Can movie I want to see. Right? <laughs> that is the movie I want to see. <laughs> and that is doesn't even come up in this movie. Wow. So obviously I was disappointed in that sense. So what what are you giving this? It's a consume. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're not a fan of Grace Jones, it's a full-on send it back. Mm-hmm. Do not bother. Um, but if you like Grace Jones, um, then it's a consume. If you're a mega fan, it's a binge. Mm-hmm. It's a buy it. Yeah, you got to yeah. him. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's, you have no other option. There's no other Grace Jones documentary. Right. So this is your only option. So you got to go with it. Uh, Grace Jones, Bloodlight and Bommy is unrated, but probably would be R for nudity and language. She appears fully nude multiple times throughout the film. <laughs> so it's back to a binge it? No. Um, <laughs> our last movie of the week is uh, Ghost Stories. Professor Philip Goodman, psychologist and skeptic, has his rationality tested to the hilt when he stumbles across a long-lost file containing details of three terrifying hauntings. 
Shaken by what he reads, Goodman embarks on a mission to find rational explanations for these ghostly stories. As he investigates, he meets three tormented people, each with a tale more frightening and inexplicable than the last. My job is to explain the unexplainable, untangle the truth from the fiction. You don't have to have your life ruled by superstitious fear. British horror films. Yeah, British anthology horror films, which used to be a bigger thing in England. So this is a bit of a bit of a throwback, a bit of a throwback from these filmmakers. Um, at first, I thought this was a comedy. I saw uh, the trailer had Martin Freeman in it, and I was like, "Oh, this could be going a couple of different ways." Mm, um, it yeah. also Martin Freeman's always a he's always a question mark, isn't mm-hmm. he? What does this mean for this genre? Right, exactly. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and it's for this like... genre, it's. Uh, for this genre, it is, uh, it's British, <laughs> is what it means. Uh, you know, he's sort of like, it makes me think of that Will and Grace episode where uh, where Will and Grace were interested in the same guy, and they couldn't tell if he was gay or straight, and he's giving them both vibes. And um, and he had like one super gay magazine and one super straight magazine, and they were consulting Jack, and Jack was like, the answer shall be in the identity of the third magazine. And they both say, Vanity Fair. And he's like, unless it's Vanity Fair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, although let's be honest, that's gay. Come on. Come on. Um, so yeah, so this is a horror anthology. It's based on a stage play. Um, both of the filmmakers are also people who wrote the stage play. And, uh, and apparently it was, it was a big West End hit and it was staged in a really, uh, sort of terrifying way. And to the credit of the film, it does not feel like a play at all. Um, it is, it, this is definitely, this is a great. I like films that feel like plays. Well, you know what I mean? Because we always like, right. you know, when, whenever it feels like, okay, they just, it's like fences. You know, it's like when they filmed a play and just looks like a play on camera. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what, what, are you, what are you doing here? Why does this need to be a movie? Um, in the case of, uh, of ghost stories, like they a hundred percent, like there, I, I can't even picture what it must've been like on stage. It's a lot of outdoors, a lot and... of outdoors, lots of, yeah, just lots of, lots of motion, lots of, you know, settings that just feel like they couldn't be done on a stage. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, so yeah, so we have here a guy who is, uh, he is, you know, a professional skeptic who's out to disprove like, is this so he's a man. Uh, he's um, more of a lesbian, really. But, uh, <laughs> fair. Okay, yeah, fair. All right. So it begins... Um, actually, he's more of a lesbian. <laughs> so it begins with Got him... Me. It begins with him disproving, like, a like a very famous psychic who is, you know, giving a reading to, like, a grieving woman. And, you know, this guy comes on stage like, no, you have an earpiece in, ha! Ah! Um, and, uh, but then he goes and... <laughs> Sounds fine to me. <laughs> my kind of guy, like I said. And so um, then he... He, um, so there, he has like this professional hero who um, who was this sort of like leading skeptic of a pre-generation who had gone missing for many years. And then the guy sort of just reappears and reaches out to this guy and is like, you know, come and come and see me sometime. Hold me West bit. And uh, and so he goes to see the guy and the guy is like, oh, actually, there are these three cases that have always haunted me because I couldn't disprove them. And, uh, and the guy's like, well, surely there's they can be easy to disprove. Let me do it. And so then he goes off to meet with each of these three guys um, who were clients who had something happen that they couldn't explain and who that this guy couldn't explain either. And um, so it sounds like a great setup. Um, it loses its way here and there pacing wise. Um, there's like exposition in particular in each of the um, mm. in each of the vignettes tends to um, last longer than necessary. And and also 
the first two vignettes feel somewhat inconsequential because like they're both kind of end with like a like it, it doesn't seem like very much happened in either of them and uh so you're just kind of like okay so i guess that's kind of scary each one definitely has moments where you're like Ooh, like this movie hits you with some chills that you don't see coming. I'm assuming because it's British, it doesn't give you the whole like uh, same kind of like jump scare thing that an American horror movie would give you. No, it does that. Oh, damn it. Uh, well. Yep. <laughs> it definitely does the jump scares. Damn it. And, um, and some of them are pretty effective. Well. Uh, and uh, then you know, we come into this third chapter with Martin Freeman, who is by far the biggest actor in the movie. And so we're like, okay, this will probably be the biggest one. And it kind of is. And then it leads into this sort of like this this final act kind of um, twist slash reveal that puts everything you've just seen into a different lens mm. and uh, which completely recontextualizes it. And in a way that's like somewhat satisfying, um, but also kind of like, eh, uh, okay, that's, you know, that's kind of the kind of takes some of the fun out of what we've just seen. Um, but, you know, it's kind of an interesting balance of it has like some just genuine, really, really frightening, eerie bits some sh- moments of just utter utter shock um and then some c- weird humor weird mm. very you know just yeah, some very graphic sex scenes very unexpectedly <laughs> very dong heavy and um no if only and um but you know it's it's sort of it almost feels like even though it started off like the 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 horror anthology convention began as a british thing mm. It almost feels like now it's almost like a, it, they've tried to back translate it. It's because you know, the Americans mm. then took it and they made it theirs, and now it feels like almost like a back translation of the mm-hmm. American version of a of, of a horror anthology. Oh man, that's not great. Um, while still feeling super super British. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it's kind of like it, it's 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 I can't say that it's um, like Vulture did one of their you know usual sort of like clickbaity headlines like. Why ghost stories needs to be your next horror obsession? And mm. it's like, oh, shut up, Vulture, with these fucking headlines. <laughs> um, and uh, and it, it does not need to be your next horror obsession. Um, but uh, but it is, you know, it's definitely more of an old-fashioned um, scary movie than uh, than what, what we see more often for modern horror. Uh, what are you going to give this one? Uh, it's a consume. Yeah. 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 It's a consume. Yeah, there are pieces of it that I really liked, and it, it it does. It's yeah. If if you are looking for sort of more um, an old fashioned scary movie with some some sort of sick humor mm. and uh, and some some thrills, then you could do a lot worse than Ghost Stories. Uh, Ghost Stories is unrated, but probably R for language and violence. Uh, that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Binge. Be sure to subscribe uh, on iTunes um, uh, if you're an Apple iPhone user. Also, if you have an Android, you could just search for The Binge Movie Podcast in your uh, Google Chrome app, and you can subscribe to it right from there. You can put it on your little homepage. Um, Jason's on Twitter at... Excess Baggage. I'm at Fight Balance. Thank you so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.